here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 105.7 FM in Cape Town. Bertan Charuma on SAFM. I'm standing in for Songeso, and um, our guest is online in Tabiseng uh, Dubazana. Good evening and welcome to The Viewpoint. Good evening. Thank you so much for having me. You know, we like to throw around the word assault. I've been assaulted. I've been assaulted mm. or she assaulted me. And we, we throw it willy-nilly. And... It is a serious criminal offense in South Africa. Yes. And it is one of the most commonly reported crimes in the country and can take many mm. forms ranging from verbal abuse, threats, physical violence uh, that cause, you know, injury to another person. Uh, it's a type of assault that involves, you know, the use of force violence. It is so broad. Mm. At what point? Or maybe let's start off with a definition. Mm. So assault in terms of our criminal procedure is the unlawful and intentional. Um, I, I got cut off there. I'm so sorry. No, we have fine. load shedding this side of is the it? world. <laughs> Order of the day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it is the unlawful, intentional, um, Assault of a, of, a, of a human being. So the assault carries various forms in our law. It can be common assault or it can be assault GBH, which is assault with intention to do grievous bodily harm to an individual. And assault common is the one that's reported more so than assault GBH, ironically. And assault common can be as much as you pushed me. That equates to an assault common. Um, you slapped me. That equates to assault common. Um, you know, you poked me with a finger. It goes to that finite situation wherein somebody feels violated and then therefore reports the matter to the police station and then a case is, re- is opened as a result. And it, it has become something that we throw around quite a bit. It could be at work. Verbal assault. I was assaulted at work. And we've seen so many cases. And it's just easier to talk about, you know, what you see, especially on social media, where uh, very prominent faces or prominent uh, superstars, I will call them, Mm. where they say, I was assaulted. And you're thinking, because when when I hear assault, it's, it's like you really have been violated. Yes, yes, I agree with you there. I think the term uh, verbal assault should actually just be removed because in our law, there is no definition or, or a crime under the umbrella of verbal assault. It would rather fall under the umbrella of criminal urea. So that is the, the criminal version of wherein somebody uh, attacks your reputation and therefore it, you know, it, it affects you in one manner or, or, or the other. So there is no crime per se that is written or defined as verbal assault. It also goes whereby um, a person is now verbally abused. That's the word that we would use. Verbally abused, which would fall under the Domestic Violence Act. So domestic violence is not exactly between partners or people who are in a relationship, um, whether it's it's a parent-child relationship uh, or, or friends or siblings. It extends to neighbors, to people that you don't even know. So this aspect is covered 
and dealt with in the Domestic Violence Act. And that's where most people would go to to try and protect themselves from continuous verbal abuse from somebody who is doing it either online or, you know, on a day-to-day basis where in they interact with this person in one form or another. But to be clear, there is no crime that is called uh, verbal assault. So in a case where you've been assaulted, like physically, mm-hmm. somebody has punched you, what are the repercussions? They could be very high. Um, there's always uh, a lot of circumstances that will be surrounding that case to see just how high the repercussions can be. So the first thing that would happen is that when you go to the police station and you open a case for assault and you've been injured, remember if you've been hit perhaps by um, a fist, like you said, there's going to be some sort of injury. The police officers now have to give what you call a J88 form. So that J88 form is basically a form that's going to be filled in by either by a nurse or a doctor who will describe the kind of injuries that you have and what looks like um, if there's any abrasions, if any swelling, all of those things will be put in there. And the medical history of what happened when you got that injury, they'll even probably test your blood alcohol limit to see if you were drunk and maybe it was a result of an altercation due to your state of sobriety, etc., etc. So those though that J88 form is what will then be used to accompany what we call your A1 statement. So when you're a complainant in a matter, you are the first person to make a statement, hence it's written A1. So your A1 statement will be accompanied by your J88, and then it will be sent to the SPP, which will be the senior public prosecutor, who will then assess the case and then decide whether or not it's a prima facie case wherein the accused person can then answer to. If indeed that's the case then they open then the um the accused person is usually assaulted uh sorry i beg your pardon arrested um but uh, if your injuries are so visible to that an extent wherein there is no need to refer the docket at that moment to the spp the accused person can be arrested immediately and then in the morning the spp can then deal with the case while the accused is behind bars well, I'm talking to my guest in Tabiseng uh, Dubazana, and we're talking about assault, and it comes in different forms, and you know, from verbal to physical to even attempting to murder someone in the process, and you know, there are certain repercussions uh, that come with uh, you know the extent at which you assault um, someone. Uh, when we come back, we will continue with our conversation. And don't forget to use our voice note, WhatsApp line 0614104107. And maybe you've been assaulted or maybe you've been accused of assaulting someone. And maybe you were served with summons for it. And what was your reaction? What was your take? How did you go through it? And, you know, what was your, your reaction basically? Or you can give us a call, 086-000-2032. Or maybe you just want to share from past experiences or maybe from a point of knowledge where you know something we don't. Let's have a conversation about it, 086-000-2032. When we get back, we continue the conversation. Bertha Charuma on SAFM. Standing in for Songezo on uh, hashtag Legal Monday Assault. What are your legal rights? So apparently the maximum penalty for basic assault is two years imprisonment for aggravated offense. 
Mm, mm. it can go higher though if you have a previous conviction of the same offense um so usually first offenders tend to get away with it if i can put it that way um and then it's either if you're found guilty of course or you choose to plead guilty to the offense um and you're a first offender most likely you're going to get away with it in the sense that you will get a previous conviction but you will not spend any time in custody um mitigation mitigation um when we're doing arguments they will then work in your favor that you haven't been found guilty of an offense that is similar to the to the one that you've been found guilty with today so you may end up with a suspended sentence or a half suspended sentence or sometimes even just a warning depending on how severe the actual assault was um but then when we look at whether the, the charge gets higher assault with intent to do grievous bodily harm then the 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 charge i mean the the sentence tends to get a little bit higher three to five years and depending on how severe the injuries of the complainant are the matter may be heard in the regional court and not just in the district court and that's where a regional court magistrate has the has the leniency or the leeway to give you a sentence anywhere between three to ten years um and and you can find yourself dealing with that situation over there so it is pretty serious um the the, the charge of assault mm. so the, you know the, the there's a video circulating on social media of a South African rapper who appeared to punch and kick a fan who jumped on stage mm-hmm. whilst he was performing. I mean, what could be the repercussions here? Because it looks like it appeared, but we're not so sure. What are the yes, legal so- rights? So from what we can gather from that video, it doesn't look like there was any imminent danger coming to to the rapper at that moment. It looked like a fan that happened to be on stage and looked like he was happy to be on stage with, with the rapper. And at that stage, the rapper chose to assault the, the person who was on, on stage. There is no law that prohibits a person to jump on a stage. Um, The fact that there was no security that was around the stage to ensure that the rapper was being protected in whatever manner or form does not give the rapper any right to assault this person. So if this person chooses tomorrow to go to a police station to open a charge, a case of assault, the rapper can find themselves being arrested indeed for that. And the likelihood of it being assault GBH because it was uh, caught on camera is pretty high and he may find himself having to deal with bail applications etc etc before he is released out and then it may be a full-blown trial or he may choose to settle the matter depending on what it is that um, they can come to an agreement with because sometimes it's it's not all matters that actually go through the process of trial or even through the process of a guilty plea. Um, we tend to sometimes settle the matter if, for example, the complainant suffered any medical costs um, as a result of the injuries, the accused may offer to pay back or reimburse this person, and then that matter gets withdrawn and then everybody goes their separate ways. Those things are available as an option um, when we're dealing with criminal matters. Um, I've got a voice note on standby. Let's take a voice note. Hi, Bertha. I'm going to remain anonymous for this question, but safe to say I was in law enforcement for 25 years, uh, investigating officer as well. And uh, I just want to hear from uh, your your guest. Uh, in circumstances which I witnessed myself, um, where a lady was assaulted 
and she opened a case and the perpetrator was arrested and then released on bail. And then after the fact, the, the, the person who was assaulted and the perpetrator came to an agreement that he would pay her X amount of money and she would withdraw the case. She subsequently submitted a statement that the case, she would like to withdraw the case. And the, the state prosecutor refused to withdraw the case. He said he's going on with the case. I uh, know if you don't have a witness, you've got no case. So, um, but is that is that the is that the norm? Uh, thank you very much. Thank you. I think let's uh, leave our guest to respond. Tabi Singh. So lately, that has become the norm. Previously, um, I I heard him say he's been. Uh, he was an I.O. for the past 25 years or so. In the past, it would have been a situation whereby the complainant has chosen to withdraw. Then that's it. That's where the matter ended. But lately, I think because of the trend that is out there um, wherein uh, women are really abused out there, um, the state has chosen not to withdraw the case. But then it, it leaves us with a situation wherein there is no witness to call. But... Having said that, the state now has the option to still call the witness and declare the witness a hostile witness in any event. Therefore, basically giving the court sort of like ammunition over the over the witness to say that whatever they're going to say is going to be against what actually happened. So take what they're going to say in the box with a pinch of salt. And then they're going to use the statement that was made originally to open the docket. And then uh, the, the court will then be forced to weigh that up versus what the witness was saying in the box uh, when they were giving evidence. And then the court now has the discretion to either take the evidence in the statement versus what was said in the box and discard the, what was said in the in the evidence box, which for me is really unfair, especially if the, the, the two parties have come to an agreement on what has happened. But it is what is happening. These days. It doesn't work always, to be quite honest. It's not a great strategy, in my humble opinion, because most cases fall flat on their faces as a result. But unfortunately, it's what happens these days. Mm. Let's go to our another voice note. Good evening, Sis Beta and the crew. Sis Beta, please help me. Uh, I would like to know who wrote these laws. Or shall I, I, shall I assume that it's God who wrote this? Because I've never had even on a single day a mentioning of people who wrote these laws. So it looks like the Constitution was just brought to earth by God. And now we have to follow it. So really, really, it amazes me. Maybe a little explanation <laughs> will help me to understand. Thank you, Elijah from Stakesbridge. And Tabi Singh. That's an interesting question, to say the least. Well, our laws are, are um, before the Constitution. It would have been whereby the National Assembly would sit and then um, the, the LRA will sit and they would discuss laws and then they will be put to a vote and then they are put in the government gazette. Um, at the time, certain uh, the, the people, uh, black people were not allowed to make any comments in terms of what laws would be put in place. It would just be for, for, the, for the white folks who were uh, running the country at the time. Fast forward to now, the same process more or less still
still follows because the the it is first becomes a, a white paper, then it becomes a bill, and then it is put in in, in the in parliament where uh, the NCOP and and the NA have to now talk about it and discuss it, and then it's put into the government gazette and it's sent out to the public for commentary. And this is where, um, unfortunately, the government doesn't communicate clearly. That's one, and two. Even if they were to communicate clearly that there is a law that is out there that requires the public to make a vote or voice them, voice out their opinions on, most people don't care, especially if it doesn't affect me. That's the mentality that we see. If it doesn't affect me, it's fine. It's okay. And then laws are then put into place. And then later on when you're now dealing with that situation you want to challenge that law when you were given the opportunity to vote on it so at, at the end of the day once the government gazette and uh, has been sent out and people have vo- have voiced out their opinions the majority rules if the majority is saying thumbs up on a particular law there you go and then the law is then sent back to the to the to the parliament and then um, it is then if officially made an act legislation that will then be followed and that that. I'm speaking to Ntabi Singh Dubazana. We take a break and we'll be back. So we're talking about assault, what it means and uh, what are the chances of you being imprisoned for two years, depending on what you, you know, what you're being accused of. And the lowest form of assault is considered a class C misdemeanor. Now, when it is a class C misdemeanor, Ntabi Singh, what are you, what what are the repercussions? So in our law, it is called a schedule one offense because that one is the definition that is used, I think, in overseas. So in our law, it is deemed a schedule one offense. So the repercussions of that, you can either one, um, if you cannot solve the matter and have it settled between yourself and the complainant, then you can request if you're intending on pleading guilty, you can also make representations wherein you can either go for community service, anger management classes, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, with NICRO, uh, they work hand in hand with the courts. And then once the, the your program is done and dusted, the charges get withdrawn because you know, you've learned your lesson, you've learned to control your temper, et cetera. Um, that's one option that, w- that will then leave you with no previous conviction. The other options, of course, would either be would be pleading guilty when you plead guilty to the charge then you can mitigate and you know you might find yourself with either being found guilty and then being um uh the, the sentence would be a warning uh, or a suspended sentence um, which is basically imprisonment or a fine wholly suspended for a certain number of years on condition that you are not found guilty of the same offense again in those in that time frame where in the sentence is suspended if you're found guilty of an offense within that suspension period, that suspension falls away, and then you are going to be serving your sentence of the new matter plus the one of the past. And then obviously the last one would be wherein you are given direct imprisonment uh, for your actions for a certain um, amount of time. We're going to take one more voice note uh, just before we close. Um, a very good evening to you. This is Matthias Angala. I'm joining you from Namibia in Winduk here. Um, actually, listen to your program, and um, I, I'm, it's quite interesting because, you know, Namibia was um, 
under South Africa at some point and a lot of laws that we are using in the country right now we inherited from there and um, the issue of uh, reimbursement is really news to me I don't know uh, I'm quite not sure how did we miss that but then I think uh, it's it's right. It, it it's a very very good thing, uh, because in Namibia, whenever you want someone to reimburse you, you actually have to to go the civil civil case way and uh, go to the high court. And um, depending on the judgment, then is when the issue of settlement comes in. Okay, I'm not so sure. I think well, basically, he's talking about reimbursement there which is a little bit, it's diverting from the assault uh, subject matter that we're dealing with. Yeah, I think he was probably talking about when um, when I mentioned that uh, if you happen to have suffered any medical costs prior to this matter ah. going to trial, while it's still there, then we can, you know, reimburse you from your medical costs. The accused can do that and then charges can be withdrawn. I think he was probably referring to that. And I think we've got one caller online. Good evening. Welcome to The Viewpoint. Good evening, ma'am. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm good, ma'am. Uh, you are speaking to David. Yes, David. Go ahead. Uh, I had a problem. In 2012, I was assaulted uh, with my employer. And then, he, first of all, he sued me while I was uh, fetching something, which he sent me to fetch in the, in the town. So the shop there was plenty of people. I was on the queue. And then he called me while I'm late. I, I told him I'm on the queue, just like at the workshop we queue for space. And then he swayed me on the phone. After that, he said, I must come back to the workshop. I went back to the workshop, and then I didn't realize that he was following me because I was driving slowly in the yard. So he grabbed me through the window of the parking. He smashed me several times with the door. And then from that time, all my operation was out. My hands were off the steering. My feet were off the controlling pedals. So he found that the, the bucky is going to hit the wall. And then he, he, he released me. And then I managed to uh, press the brakes and then the car switched off. And then he just ran away to the office. And then there at the office, when I came there, he said no. He don't want me to work for him anymore. He called me the coffee weight. He said, I will hear you coffee mark. And then he told the manager, I don't want me anymore there. So I have to go back to my place. And then I stayed there. The manager called me back to the workshop. I went there. I explained to him. He said, you have got no problem. So come to work. I went back to work. He came again. He said, he don't want me there. He dismissed me like that. I went to report the the incident to the police. They said they can't open the case because it's staying close to the police station. I went to the hospital. They couldn't help me. They said, no, I must go and obtain the letter from the police. I went to the doctor. The doctor told me the same story. Mm. But now I'm living with a serious problem. Okay. One of my collarbones separated. So now I'm having a lot of pains in my body. Okay. I think let's give it to Ntabi Singh just before we close, Ntabi Singh. 
Okay, so a lot of things are going on there. Um, firstly, it is unfair dismissal. Uh, there's there's a lot of it that is happening there. There's also a, a, por- a portion of unfair labor practice and also being injured uh, on duty. Those are things that he should probably look into. But unfortunately, the time frames with, with, when it comes to labor-related matters, you have a 90-day a window period where you can report these things. But of course, you can apply for condonation in order for you to get assistance with any payments that are due to you as a result of the labor aspect of your of your situation when it comes to the police i don't understand why the police did not open a case um uh, on your behalf saying that the 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 employer is staying next to the police station unless i i didn't hear you correctly um you should go to the police station even now um, and then open your case of assault because the, in our law, uh, a criminal charge doesn't just die out. There is no window period wherein you should report a matter. You should go there now. And if you're saying that you're still ha- suffering from those injuries, there is a, a general doctor who can probably assist you and get those medical records. And from the past, you still probably have all of those things. Use those things to go open a case in the, at the police station. It cannot be that because your employer resides next to the police station that you're prevented to open a case that does not make any sense and if the police there at the police station choose not to open a case for you report them to their seniors and if the if the if their station commander doesn't want to open a case because they have some kind of relationship with the with the employer keep going higher and higher until somebody will listen to you and open a case for you Tabi Seng, thank you so much for joining us on the viewpoint. Have yourself a pleasant evening and bye-bye for now. Thank you. Same to you. Bye-bye.